My name is Ellie, and I am a compulsive overeater. <clears throat> it's interesting, you know, with thinking about all the things that I'd like to say, and um, there is so much, and I hope that whatever it is that I do manage to get out will help you, will help at least one person. So, uh, I first came to Overeaters Anonymous in 2006. I was 59 and a half years old, and I was really sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I think that's about what you need to know <clears throat> in terms of what brought me here. I had had probably 51 and a half years prior to that of yo-yo dieting. My first recollection of any type of uh, problem or issue with food was uh, about eight years old, and this is through my mother's recollection to me. Uh, she said that she had to put me on diet pills at that time at the suggestion of her diet doctor and uh, that would help me so that when I came home from school I wouldn't eat two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches but maybe just one so that probably started then I could go through a why I think it started not that it really matters, but it did. I do want to share it with you as part of what had happened to me. I came from loving parents. I don't have a sad story. Uh, they told me I was beautiful. They told me I was smart. They told me I could do anything that I wanted to do. And I thought they were lying because they were my parents and they had to say that. <laughs> So my craziness is self-induced. Nobody did anything to me other than myself. The big turning point in my life as I recall it was when I was, hello, eight years old. Um, I loved my grandmother, my mother's mother, very, very much. I had a recollection that I had lived with her. The truth is, I had only spent one week with her, but that's how powerful that connection was. I can tell you, you walked in her apartment, and to the right was the kitchen, and in front of you was the living room, and on the windowsill, she would normally put milk to turn it into yogurt, and... <laughs> things we remember and then there was a hallway a bathroom and the bedroom so I can picture all of that I can't tell you what my parents house looked like so I knew from my mother that my grandmother was sick and in the hospital and I didn't know what it was uh, but I would pray every morning every night I would pray to God that he would let my grandmother live. And probably the kind of Santa Claus God that if you let her live, I'll be really good. 
she didn't. She did pass away, and from then on, I had nothing to do with God. And somehow, I believe there was that thought that if I was really a good person or a good girl, that my grandmother would have lived. Then we move on from there. And from that time on, as I look at pictures now, I see a normal, a, a person in a normal body weight. I did not at the time. It was always fat and ugly. It, it was one word. It just conjoined. And that's how I felt about myself. I didn't date much in high school. Not that that matters in the big scheme of things, but it also had to do with my self-image, my thoughts of self, and what other people would think of me. So I was on the quiet side, on the shy side, and I ran into someone years later and he said, uh, you know, Ellie, you were really stuck up. It's like, no, I wasn't. I just didn't feel good enough. So I didn't engage people. I didn't look at them in the eyes. So, again, it's all up here. And this is where our disease is. What I did with food was just to make myself feel better even if it was just for the moment. If I was angry at you, I ate. If I was angry at me, I ate. If I felt there was something inside of me that I didn't want to say to you, I ate to push it down. I'm going to fast forward because what brought me here was after 27 years of marriage, my husband asked for a divorce. And um, I decided to go, we lived out in Calabasas. I decided to come live in town with my girlfriend who lived on Roxbury Drive. And um, naturally, I was hurt. And naturally, I turned to my best friend. And I ate And by the time I came here, I was close to 150 pounds. I'm five foot one and shrinking. (laughs) And, um, but what I would do at my girlfriend's house was go between where I slept downstairs and the kitchen and then the den. And it it just went back and forth that way. And eventually I grabbed some of the uh, skin and fat around the diaphragm area and I just heard those familiar words of fat and ugly. And I had heard about OA, but you know, for me it was just a diet. You know, four ounces of this or half a chicken. You know, and that was the big choice on the sheet at the time. And I always took what I thought was more like half a chicken. Um, but as it would be, 
or as God would have it, because that's what I believe now. Uh, I went for a walk one day, and I found myself along Roxbury Drive into the park. It must have been a little bit after 12, and I sat down on a bench to read. Um, it was in the sun, and I am not a sun worshiper, so I was hoping somebody would get up who was seated right over there uh, in the shade, and they did. And I went over to the shade, and there on the bench was a 12-stepper. Now, for me, that was, without knowing the words, that was the first God shot that I had. That was on Sunday, November 19th, and I saw that right behind me was an OA meeting, and that it started at, I think it was 10 for newcomers, 10.30, excuse me, <clears throat> for the regular meeting. And so the following week, November 26th, I went to my first meeting. And there you all were, chatting and talking and hugging, and I didn't know what to make of it. Um, A fellow in program describes me as saying, you look like a deer caught in the headlights. (laughs) I was like, what is this? And at the time, people were describing their abstinence. And I heard them, some people say, I eat three meals a day and nothing in between. I heard three meals a day and two snacks or two optional snacks. And each one said what they considered their abstinence. And I kind of got that. It was different for everyone. But what I did hear the commonality was to put the fork down. And I said, okay, I've had breakfast. It ends at 12. I'll have my lunch. Had lunch. Dinner time, I had my dinner. And then to prevent myself from doing any harm, I went to sleep. But I had woken up the next day. I was abstinent. And that, too, is a gift from my higher power. Because... I couldn't do it before, why could I do it now? You know, it just is what it is. So, when I came in, I was just about 150 pounds. Um, I gave up, well, I wound up at 118 pounds. Okay, came into drop the crazies, and lose some weight. And then in abstinence, because this is just my story, I put on 11 and a half pounds. I was abstinent, but clearly I was eating too much or I wasn't eating right. And so I started to weigh and measure. I started to do things that Somehow it came to me, okay, that I should do this, that I should weigh and measure, that I should send my food to my sponsor because it was never required of me. But that's what I felt that I should do. Again, that quiet little voice. 
Last year, I was still at the 11 plus pounds overweight, or what I, over my original goal weight. And my doctor said to me, I don't want you eating three meals a day. I want you eating every three hours a little bit of protein and either a vegetable or a little bit of protein or fruit. And thank goodness in all those these years of being in program, I have learned to take direction. And so I have done that. I have started walking more and exercising more and I have just recently weighed myself at 110 and a half. So from last year to now. And I can't tell you why because I was ready to say this is where God wants me to be. I was in acceptance and that was fine. And I went out and bought clothes that fit me. It's not for me to understand. It's just for me to continue to do what I do. And that is to abstain from sugar, flour, peanut butter, dried fruit, and anything. When I say flour, I mean anything that looks like bread. It could be gluten-free and it doesn't matter. If it looks like bread, I don't eat it. The biggest change in me is not the weight loss, although I am very grateful for that. The biggest change in me is between my ears. The biggest change in me is my ability to get along with people. Nobody's out to get me. I am able to step back and see my part in all relationships. I am able to breathe. I'm able to pause. I'm able to keep in my head and not out my mouth things that would hurt other people. I've come to see and I've come to believe that there is a higher power, that I am one of the hot, my higher power's children, that we may come in different packages outwardly, but inside, and we are all his children, and that's just where I am now. And that makes me feel good. There's a lot of things that I have accepted in my life. Um, I will never complain. But I did have to accept. I had to accept that I have had two clinical depressions, one of which was a psychotic depression, and I will be on medicine. doesn't affect me now. It's just the knowledge. I have... Greenish eyes, same knowledge. <laughs> That's it. 
Um, I had a, a case of shingles of the ear almost 16 years ago, which left the right side of my face where the nerves do not connect to the muscles anymore. And that too, it took me a long time and it, it's, I don't know what I look like to you. I only know what that frozen picture looks like, but it doesn't stop me from interacting with you. Program has also taught me that it isn't just about me. It is about service to others. And for me, that's been the greatest gift. Uh, when I was younger, we're talking college age, I had wanted to be a psychiatrist or psychologist, something like that, thank you, to help people. And they said, uh, you know, you have to take psychological statistics and everybody fails that. <laughs> and so instead of trying, I didn't take it because I was afraid that I would fail it. The thought now, of course, is, well, Ellie, if you failed it, you could have taken it again. <laughs> Simple, but not at the time because this head wasn't there. But what working with sponsees allows me to do is to be of service. I'm not here to psychoanalyze any sponsee, but I am here to share my experience, strength, and hope. And if anything that I've gone through can be of service to someone else, it's very gratifying. And I'm grateful now that the path I have taken has led me to where I am today. I uh, work on the 12 steps, which I believe is the program, although I haven't much dedicated too much time at any time at all, quite frankly. But when I said to the newcomers, admission is the first step toward recovery, that is step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. And my life is unmanageable when I turn to food. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I don't know where, how, what, from that eight-year-old to the 59-and-a-half-year-old, I found God as I understand God, not the God in the sky, this he, she, it, entity, spirit that wants the best for me, that is here to teach me lessons whether I want them or not, or like them or not, but all for my benefit. My benefit is a spiritual being and as a human being. Step three, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And that's what I do every morning when I wake, or honesty, almost every morning when I wake up and I say the first three steps, the third step prayer, I meditate, then I, do, I say my own third step prayer. 
and then my gratitude for being alive for all the things that I have in my life that God has given me. And I ask for God's help in being honest, humble, and divorced from self-pity, etc., etc. We know that line. And um, then my day starts. Step four is strictly an inventory. I get to see my part in things. It wasn't my husband's fault that our marriage fell apart. He didn't have a partner. Me. Me. Rather than share with him anything that I had to share because of his anger and my fear of his anger. You know, he's doing 75%. I'm barely doing 25%. You know, so I got to see that. I get to see that when I worked, when I had problems with my director, I would run into my office and get out my 10th step and get to, or my 4th step, and get to see where my thoughts of what I thought she was thinking about me were my thoughts. That, that was just what she did. And I share this with my sponsor and I continue to share this with my sponsor because I'm in a big book workshop that, and I've done it a number of years, where we do a formal fourth step every year. So, thank you. So, so to speak, my plate is clean. Ha ha. <laughs> so thank you for letting me share. And this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please find one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember the opinion, my opinions, <laughs> are my own, and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you for your wonderful, wonderful share. Um, when I was a newcomer, I heard your beautiful um, prayer that you just said that you also say. I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that with me. The, um, the question was, would I be willing to share my gratitude prayer? Please bear with me while I get there. I'm sorry, I can't get it if it comes. It's in that moment. <laughs> no, it doesn't actually begin that way. <laughs> well, 
If you can look it up because I sent it to you, I would be more than happy to say it. I am, you know, Carol. Hello, John. You were going sort of going through the steps and having worked them. I don't know if you totally finished and not my chance to let you uh, finish with Becky, a movie you were asking me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I did five steps, six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Um, I, at the time, I didn't know if I was entirely ready, and sometimes I'm still not entirely ready, but I had to look at what my character defects were doing to me. And once I got to see what they did to me, either separating me from others or making me upset or making me crazy, I had to be willing to give them away. And seven naturally follows, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And that is something I continue to work on. Um, I have seen not the disappearance of my character defects, but the lessening of my character defects, as well as the recognition, the consciousness, in that moment, that's, that's, that's it. You're being self-righteous. You're being critical. You're judging. So... Step eight. Oh, <laughs> well, well, we'll do six and seven. We'll go for some others, okay, as it comes up. Yes. I have two questions. So one is, are you weighing and measuring your food right now? And the other question is, so how did you get rid of that um, fat and ugly voice? Because I have that 24 hours a day. Okay. Two questions. The first question is, do I continue to weigh and measure? And the answer to that is yes. So you eat three meals a day? No, I eat every three hours. So then you weigh and measure? I weigh and measure. Um, even the vegetables, if I put down that I'm going to take a cup of zucchini with my two ounces of turkey breast, that's what I take. And if I'm super hungry and I take one and a half cups, then I... Write that in. That's my being honest. So you write your food down? I I commit my food in advance, and then I correct it or add to it the following day. Yes. And this is in stages. Trust me, when I first came in, I'd had that Weight Watcher mentality, and... The last thing I was going to do was weigh and measure my food. But circumstances changed that. And the second part of the question is, fat and ugly, I, can't, I did not do it. Fat and ugly has disappeared. And that, I believe, is God working in me, through me, 
with the 12 steps. Question is, why do I do service above the meeting level? Just the ability to help others in a different way. Um, I like doing service as I am now. I like working with my sponsees. Um, when I took the position of leadership a several years ago, that was uh, foisted upon me. Uh, it was again for the betterment of the intergroup but also afforded me an awful lot of self-knowledge I hope that answers your question I can't tell you why it's just something that I feel that I want to do I've done the big book workshop for two years and I enjoy it I like seeing the light in people's eyes go on I like seeing that there is the hope and possibility of recovery that I discovered here because of the 12 steps I like seeing that I hope that answers that yes question is did I lose hope at any point during I assume you mean the struggles with weight or just in the, um, no because what I saw here actually gave me hope there were people who had struggled long and hard with either their backgrounds and food and crazy thinking and crazy acting and here they were in normal body pretty sane and living their life fully in a fashion that I thought was admirable you know being of service to other people being calm being a voice of reason um, guiding others not for their benefit but for the other persons so that they so no I didn't thank God yeah. thank you everybody um, my question is can you talk about definitely no okay Okay. Step eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I think I didn't see that many people that I had harmed. The ones that I did, I made an amends to my mother she passed away in 1995 and the only way I knew 
that I could make amends to her was I was just riding in the car one day and I just started talking to her. That to me was making the amends of not appreciating her when she was alive. Not appreciating her as much as I do now. You know, knowing that the, she did the best she could. She absolutely did. And she did a wonderful job. She had her own crazy. And I learned about that later on. You know, and of course, I now feel that I have that loving compassion for others and the journey that they go through. So kind of eight and nine, I didn't need to make amends to my ex-husband. We talk about once a week. We're still friends. I mean, we just, we, we grew up together. You know, we are family. We are history. I want the best for him, and he wants the best for me. And he even did at the time he divorced me. He said, I'm not happy, Ellie. And if you really thought about it, neither are you. And life is too short. He did a service that I can't thank him enough for. I'm here as an NOA and growing as a result of that. So... Eight and nine. Ted, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And that is something that I continue to do. Every night um, when I send my food, I also do a quick check. And I always write what I'm grateful for. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. As we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, my prayers in the morning, and I did find it, or actually it was sound for me. Good morning. Thank you for another day of life and for life on leading. Thank you for my parents, my family, my friends. Thank you for leading me to OA, to my sponsor, my sponsees, my fellows. Thank you for my abstinence, my serenity, my sanity. Thank you for my home, my health, my job. Thank you for my insides and outsides, my physical and mental capabilities, and my artistic talents. Please help me to be more patient, tolerant, compassionate, and understanding of others and myself to speak, act, think with kindness. Please direct my thinking so it's divorced of self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Please help me do your will today and to be of maximum service to you and to my fellows. Thank you. Amen. And 12. 
Having had a spiritual awakening is the result of these debts. We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I'm here. This is what I do. This is what I do with sponsees. This is what I do when I take leadership uh, positions. This is what I do every Tuesday night. Um, And I think we have time for one or two more questions. Thank you for your share. So when you came into the program, did you start working steps right away? Or what did you think when you walked into the rooms and suddenly it wasn't a diet, it was these steps? Did you embrace them right away? The question is, did I embrace the steps right away? That's correct. Um, I think the answer to that has to be yes when I came in at 59 and a half and I had realized that two-thirds of my life were over if I was lucky I had another third left and I didn't want to spend it fighting with the food and hating myself and you guys told me the answer is in the steps. The answer is in the big book. The answer is in the OA 12 and 12. Not necessarily in the meetings, although they're really important, but in the steps. When you work the steps, you work toward your recovery. You work toward your growth. Does that answer your question? Okay. You mentioned you didn't uh, take something because you were afraid you were going to fail the test you didn't even try. So in your abstinence, uh, tell us about something that you were afraid to do and try. The question is, is there anything in abstinence that you have been afraid of and have been willing to try? I'm sure there are things that I have fears about, but I'm not certain whether they are currently affecting my life in a way that I need to take action on them. Um, That's the best I can do. That's the story. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you so much for your share. Um, it was really beautiful. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's maybe sick and tired, but not quite yet sick and tired of being sick and tired? <laughs> well, my time is up, and I will. I would say, hurry up. 